Red Cathedral, Micro Macro Crime City and Control Ultimate Edition. This is Staying In. I've, I've bought an aftermarket inkjet. Did you know these existed? Aftermarket? What, what do you mean? So it's like a it's like an ink cartridge for a printer that is no longer produced. <laughs> Aftermarket, black market. What are you buying? What are you printing? <laughs> it's a remanufactured inkjet cartridge, right? Oh, so yeah. it's for it's for my Canon printer, mm. but it's made by Tesco. But it's not really made by Tesco because the cartridge itself is made by Canon. So they just basically just refill it. Yeah, I've done that. You've done that. Not, not not by hand, yeah. Like, cut, cut open a bick. Yeah. <laughs> but, do you know, it takes me back. Do you remember, did you, did you go to a school where you had to have, like, I mean, I know Pete did. I'm asking Dan and Sam this now. Did you go to a school where you had to have fountain pens with, like, ink cartridges and stuff? Yeah. We didn't have to, but I was one of those precocious kids that went through a period where my affectation was for a term (laughs) yeah do you know what do you know what that absolutely lines up it was either going to be that or a hat wasn't it (laughs) i i and 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 i had um everything you know like the the pencil case filled with those little uh, those tiny little blue ink cartridges uh, like almost like bullet sized yeah Um, and you know, you could get like a pack of 20 for a couple of quid down at Tesco or whatever. Yeah. And they always leaked. And obviously I never had good enough money for like a proper fountain pen. So it was always like really shoddy and just leaked everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, so I didn't have to. I had a fountain pen. Uh, it was an Aston Villa fountain pen and it was a Parker <laughs> pen. So it was a it was a top of the range uh, fountain pen. Um, but like Sam, I, I used to buy the cheap little cartridges um, mm-hmm. But f- for for any fountain pen aficionados out there, the Parker pens had larger cartridges. They had the big ones. So what I used to do is when my cartridge ran out, I'd get the little ones. I kind of open it at the top, and I just slowly drip the ink from the small cartridge <laughs> into the big cartridge. <laughs> so I could so I could so I could continue to use my uh, ever so fancy Aston Villa Parker pen. Um, but only using but but having to buy like as you say like two pound for twenty ink cartridges. Rather than spending five pound on five, insert joke here about Aston Villa's transfer. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, transfer oh. deadline, target market dealings or something. I mean, we all know that Pete just took in a swan and occasionally just pluck a feather off it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember fun faxes? Yes, I I had one of those. Yes. Yeah. Do you mean Filofaxes? No. Fun- it was by Filofax. Oh, right, yeah. But they were called Funfaxes. Yes, I do. And you yes. buy these little... You bought these little packets that you put into your little ring binder. That's it, yeah. And you could be a spy. I had that one, the brown spy one. Yeah. The brown spy yes. one, that was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one... I think there was some language ones and some maths ones and some science yeah. ones. My, my, yeah. my brain is kind of firing off things, but I can't quite put my finger on... As soon as you see the, the, the front yeah. cover of it, Dan, you'll be like, oh, I remember yes. this. Ah, yes, there it is. There, there's, that, there's that memory landed. <laughs> I, I, was, I was just reminded of fun facts the other day, and I thought, that's a thing that I just don't think that product can ever exist ever again. Like, not only are Philofaxes <laughs> not really a thing anymore, but also, like, because, you know, a PDA, I mean, well, it's not even a PDA, is it? It's a phone now, right? Like, so, so the idea of, but also, like, the idea of, like, collecting some more paper things to, to make a not quite as good book. Like, like, I just, but, oh, man. I just thought they were. I I, I remember. I was sort of like sat there on my couch the other day, and then suddenly sort of like jerked up and went. Fun faxes, they were great. They were really good. Something made me think of my childhood the uh, the other day. As a child, I was obsessed with, to some degree, with Where's Wally books. Yeah. Uh, And I don't know quite what it is. It's the idea that the answer is in front of you. Um, and you've probably seen it without looking at it, that difference between seeing and looking something. And it's about, and often if there's a group of you, like my brother and my sister, we're kind of with our fingers tracing across the page, racing each other to be the first person to find Wally. And then his dog, which I think was called Woof, 
It's Where's Waldo in America? And you'd see like a dog's tail sticking out and Wolf was always harder to find. Yeah. Um, but I bought a game the other day called, uh, I know, uh, called uh, Micro Macro Crime City and from Pegasus Spiele, uh, designed mm-hmm. by Johannes Sitch. And it is basically Where's Wally, but on a larger and a little bit more grown up scale. Yeah. So um, it's basically, for me, it captures that moment where at the end of a crime drama, maybe the end of an episode, say, for example, the police detective has a photo in front of them and they've had that photo or this image from the beginning, but they've not properly looked at it. And the camera zooms in on the picture and then it zooms in on the face of the detective and they suddenly realise, oh, my word. It's, it's, it was him. It was them. It was here all the time in front of us. Oh my gosh. And that, that, that sensation for an audience going, oh my word, yeah, of course. How did we miss that? This game, Micro Macro Crime says he has, that, has this in spades. So you've got this um, basically where you've got, you've got this large drawing. It, it feels like you're unraveling a giant map. Um, it's, it's nearly a meter by a meter. It's huge on, on paper. And it's a line drawing of what looks to be like an aerial photograph of a city, but it's a drawing. And it's very, it's, it's, written, it's, it's drawn almost like a Where's Wally picture. It's very cute and kind of childlike um, with these little animals, these anthropomorphized animals and such. Um, and it's this aerial photo of Crime City. But if you look a, really bit, a, look a bit closer, it looks really innocent, sweet on the surface, but when you look really close, this is a city that is just riddled with crime. Um, these cute <laughs> creatures, there's people being mugged in alleyways. Uh, <laughs> there's meals that are just being poisoned and you don't know why. Yeah. Hits are being organised, assassinations taking place, people spying on each other. You'll just find like dead bodies like on the ground. Mm-hmm. And as players, you take on the role of a detective and you solve a series of cases at different difficulty levels they each have like a star rating and each case is like a small deck of cards that go in these lovely little paper air, um, envelopes and to start off you're thinking oh these envelopes are a bit thin a bit flimsy a bit feel a bit cheap but actually it's so you don't have to get the cards out to know what the mission is because they're thin enough that you can see through the difficulty of it which is a really nice touch and what you do is that you you, you flip the card you go to the first the, the, um, um, the first card and, it, and a crime is com- being committed you find the crime on the page. You're all there as a group going, oh, okay, cool, here. Point to it. And then it asks you a series of questions where you're trying to work out, you know, it could be who did this? Who is this person? Where have they come from? When were they killed? Or when was this stolen? And you're backtracking through the city. And what's really cool is that at points, some people will just run to the other end of the table and you're kind of like the channel tunnel meet in the middle. Oh, hang on, I found someone suspicious here. I found them here. Okay, I've got them here. Let's try and meet in the middle and, and, and re- retrace their steps. A bit like, you know, in the Arkham games when Batman just looks at a crime scene and then with his whizzy tech and his augmented reality, he's just able to tell where the trajectory of the bullet comes from. You don't need any tech. It's just you with this little magnifying glass that comes with it. And you can literally, you know, you'll see a character pointing and you can literally just follow it across the page. And it's such a great feeling. And every card you flip is like that. And sometimes you get ahead of the cards. Other times you're having to go back on yourself. And it's really good. And I was playing it. And I've played it with um, you, Sam. I played it with Lisa. And I was thinking when I first bought it, I undernarred because I was worrying about the fact of, well, once you've solved all 16 cases, well, am I ever going to go back to it? And the answer is yes. A, because... Um, it, the, the, the joy of this game is not just in uh, who committed the crime, how was the crime mm-hmm. done. Like, I know all, you know, I've read a lot of Agatha Christie books, I've read a lot of murder mystery stories. The reason I go back to them is not because I've forgotten the plot. <laughs> yeah, the reason I go back to them is because actually the whole point about this game is not just saying, well, I know who did it. It's saying, well, okay, where? You go, oh gosh, I can't remember. Because mm-hmm. there is so, you, you've actually walked past crimes that will appear in later cases that you hadn't even clocked. Um, because it is just such a, a beautifully densely drawn picture. Um, secondly, this is the very first one of the very few games where you can actually start playing the game before you've even known the box. There's actually a case on the front of the box for you to solve. And mm-hmm. I've just done. I did an unboxing for this for our Instagram page. It talks about this. Second, Sam, I had a little look at the rules today. And I love this. Oh, we've been playing it wrong, haven't we? No, 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 no we haven't been playing it wrong. Yeah, no. we, we played the wrong side of the map. We were playing it on Uber Hard. Um, <laughs> It's just white. Yeah. 
Um, it says as a little suggestion, once you've finished all the missions, why not put it on your wall as a poster? Here's four other puzzles for you to solve for guests when they come round. And yeah. you can even go online on the website. There's additional puzzles mm -hmm. and additional things hidden in this map that aren't, that aren't in the base game. And we were saying this, that there's probably tons of expansions. And it's really weird. There's probably expansions that you've already got in front of you. You just haven't got the cards to solve those cases. Yeah. Um, and it, it is, it's unlike anything I own in terms of a board game um, experience. It says one to four players. That's really depending on how many people you're happy to have around your table. Not, not to, not to get pedantic, because I, 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 I mm. because clearly there's, <laughs> clearly, stop it, Dan. <laughs> clearly there's, you know, clearly you're having fun with it, and that is the the important thing, right? Like, like it sounds fantastic, like genuinely does sound fantastic. But I guess the question for me is like, this sounds more. I don't know why the board game community has kind of picked this up when it it feels a little bit more like a puzzle rather than like a, a board game in that way for me it's it kind of is the, the the crystallized the undiluted brilliance of playing like a cosmos escape game right. in in basically a board game because where when you have those moments when you're playing a um, one of those exit games from cosmos or any of the exit games it you have those moments of like group realization, but most of it is kind of individual. Oh, I've cracked it. Yeah. Oh, how did you? How did you do that? Right? Oh, yeah. Well, I did this. Oh, it doesn't really matter. Let's let's just move on. We're against the clock. Whereas um, micro macro crystallizes that experience, and suddenly it none of it is is really feels that individualized or singular. You're all able to share in the experience equally exit tends to be a lot more disparate micro macro is all interweaved and all, you're all mm. in the same yeah. sort of web and and mesh together so it means that when you're playing it it feels a lot more like a cohesive and combined experience i always i always look at an exit game and go oh i'd love to play that on my own one day whereas I, whereas i look at micro macro and go actually no i don't want to play it on my own i want to be like yeah. with a group like a gang of detectives it's it's such a it's such a brilliant excuse to get a few people around to actually mm. just to to look at this thing and enjoy this thing together and chris brought it round to play and like me and him were playing it and like sort of my wife sidled over and like you're gonna love this and then i went up to go and um put our son to bed came down and like chris and chris and my wife were just like oh we've solved another two cases and i was first of all i was genuinely like oh <laughs> and, and second of all i was just like yeah this this game is right. like they just couldn't we had to pull ourselves away from it because it's so like pleasingly addictive it's great yeah that that was i was just about to kind of Look at that. I mean, without being too reductive, it's it it strikes me as kind of taking those best elements from a Where's Wally and a Sherlock Holmes consulting detective, yeah. and kind of kind of mashing them together to create something new that's more lighthearted. Isn't perhaps um, challenging is the wrong word because I think um, it will there will obviously be a challenge there, but the challenge is very different to something like a Sherlock Holmes. That visual component, by the sounds of it, makes it much more accessible um, across the board and in turn sounds more fun. Um, I have lots of fun with Consulting Detective, but a lot of the time it can also be quite kind of tough to kind of get through, especially if you don't, especially if you can't figure out where it's going. And then obviously you get to the end and you realise that you're actually pretty stupid and you should have done it in half the time. Yeah. I think I think what micro macro does that makes it a lot more accessible and makes it a lot more snappier is the cards and the prompts are really good. Like at at its detriment, micro macro, the cases that I've played with it anyway, they do sort of lean into tropes of the genre quite a lot. So there was one where it was um, a rich guy had died. And it's just like who killed him, and it was the wife. You know, and it was like the, the sort yeah. of like traditional sort of blonde hair bimbo wife, and it was like, all oh, right, well, fair enough. We, you know, I guess that that's not fun. But then you then you open up the next prompt, and it's just like, how did they do it? Where did they get X, Y, and Z right. from? 
what what did they do after he was killed like how did they hide the body x y and z just at the right time it gives you another extra sort of like yeah but how do they do that and where do they go after they did that and you're just like all right now i'm now i'm in like i found out how he died and how they killed him but now i want to know more and you sort of like start like digging and digging and digging further and further into the city to find out its secrets i uh i joined an exclusive club recently all right uh it, it took a little bit of effort to get into um you know there were a couple of early morning starts being woken up in the middle of the night yeah masons that's what i was thinking Illuminati? <laughs> Not the Illuminati, I wish. <laughs> oh, me too. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> That'd be like, great. oh, you exist. Awesome. <laughs> like- now give me some of that money. Yeah. Um, no, uh, the, the exclusive club that I, that I joined and put quite a lot of effort into joining is the PlayStation 5 Club. Ooh. You did oh. put a lot of effort into that. Much more than mm. I did. That's probably harder to get into than the Masons, I would imagine, at this point. Yeah. What's a handshake like? Oh, Bloody hell. Good haptic feedback. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Is that, is that the only Mason's PlayStation joke on the internet? I think it might be. Surely it must be. It'll only be on the internet if Sam keeps this in the edit. <laughs> it's staying in now. Yeah, so for quite a long time, I thought that I'd just, you know, just wait until hmm. I could go into a shop or I could just be browsing around one day and go, you know what? Today's a day. Yeah. I'll buy a PlayStation Five and pick one up off the shelf, virtual or otherwise. Take it to the to the assistant at the desk and buy it. But it slowly dawned on me that that's probably not going to happen for about another year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of gritted my teeth and decided to once again, a year on from doing this for the Ring Fit Adventure, nearly exactly a year since doing this for the Ring Fit Adventure, sign up for, you know, hot stock informer and stock check and, you know, oh my goodness, it's too hot stock to handle all those kind of <laughs> websites. Uh, are you being stocked? <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I was getting like alerts at two and three o'clock in the morning to like go on to Argos and and, and like go and get PS5s and I'd like I've got the edge because I've got a six month old son so I'm like I'm awake anyway <laughs> <laughs> everyone was like and you'd read on the forum like I've been up since five o'clock waiting for the Argos drop that never came and I was like <laughs> I was up anyway <laughs> um, and then and then one day and <laughs> it does it in a really obnoxious way if you've got like the browser extension open it literally blares a siren at you whenever stock drops <laughs> I've, I've done that, and then eventually it happened, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's this is this this is real." People are people are getting them, and then you know that you know that feeling in your stomach, you know, when you've got to buy like concert tickets and you've got twenty seconds left and you yeah. can't put in your and you've got to put your credit card details in, and like, oh, I hate that feeling. So that happened, and I was like, you know, refreshing, refreshing, in basket, out of basket, in basket, out of basket. Sorry, Amazon isn't working at the moment. I don't know what you're trying to do. Um, so I just thought I'll just try it on my phone, and three taps later. It was mine. It was. It was wow. really, really odd. It was just like there was. There's some something to do with because it was in my wish list and because I bought it from my wish list that it was just like must have like skipped a couple of steps ahead or I don't know. Anyway, and like I was like, oh my, oh my god, I've I've got one. I've, mm. I've got one. It was really weird. <laughs> and like you have the white whale. Yeah, and it was just like I didn't. I didn't unsubscribe from any of the Stock Informer stuff until it arrived. Yes. And it was quite dramatic how it arrived. Like, Amazon gave me a code that I had to read out to the driver when they what? arrived at my house. Yeah, I know. What? Like, Why? Why? I got, an e- I got an email that day and she was like, please wait for your personalised code to accept this expensive item. Um, so I don't know whether it's PS5 specific or because it was like, Plus four hundred pounds, pricey purchase. But it felt, but it felt really exclusive. Like this guy turns up at my doorstep. He's like, "Have you got a cold for me?" I was like, "I do." And he was like, 
All right. <laughs> what is it all? I'm busy. Yeah, yeah. This is a job, mate. It's like a John the Carry novel. Yeah, yeah. I know, like, I, I, I was just enjoying the clandestine nature of it, and he was just like, can you hurry up, please? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Particularly yeah. if it was the same code for everyone. I'd love yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then and then it's here, then it's been in my life, and then I very quickly got rid of my PS4 because I don't need that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Yeah, my my wife wasn't impressed. It's big, by but mainly yeah by the size. I think my mother in law summed it up best where she described it as a tribute to an eighties console. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> oh, that is a backhanded compliment. <laughs> no, yeah, um, but you know, uh, Chris has seen it now as well, and yeah, I saw it from my flat actually. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, personally, I don't care because when it's on or when you're watching TV, you're not looking at it. Yeah. Um, so personally, it could, yeah, mm, mm. Um, it could be any size or shape, really. And um, I mean, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty great. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. I mean, there's not many games on it, um, other than Astro's Playroom. I've not played anything on it yet that's like was built for the PS5. Um, so I'm really itching to play something like Returnal or Ratchet and Clank. You know, something that's been that is will only be coming out on the on the PlayStation Five. Because mm. at the moment, like, yeah, fair enough, there are some graphical leaps with most stuff. But I was never really fussed about that anyway. But like for me, the the actual user experience of using the PS Five is just phenomenal. Like it's such a leap up from from any other console that I've that I've used before like it boots up in seconds like right. I sent you guys a video today of like I was in a game of Spider-Man Miles Morales in 23 seconds that is genuinely amazing and that's from like cold boot that's cold that's pre- yeah that's from cold and from disc as well so uh, not even like complete sort of SSD in- install yeah. and every single part of it is designed to help you keep stay in the game and i remember this being a thing that that sony were going on about beforehand before the ps5 was released and it's only since playing it that i really understood like how how useful it is so in for example so in things like astro's playroom you can double tap the the sony playstation button and it will um it will give you hints it will offer you hints and help you find things to help you achieve trophies that you might be going for so in Astro's playroom there are these hidden objects these hidden puzzle pieces you have to find and if you can't and if you're struggling to find one you double press a button and it plays a little video and it will show astro like walking through the level and like going towards the area where the puzzle piece is but not exactly going to like the destination so it's just like really useful for me where i'm just like i want to find all the pieces but i don't really want to spend lots of time like wandering around trying to get frustrated and looking and looking for them yeah and um miles morales is something quite similar but when you double tap the the ps button in there it brings up a little menu which shows you like like a couple of like missions that you could do along with the time it will take to complete that mission that Mm -hmm. is beautiful yeah. Like, like this, this to me is is kind of this shifting point at the moment with with games. Where I definitely felt like in the PS4 era, uh, and and sort of a big chunk of the PS3 era as well, that games were getting to the point where, like, the last Assassin's Creed that I played, the Odyssey, is like seventy five hours. Like yeah. on PS3, it was twenty five, and and I thought that was long. And like this this constant push for more and more and more, and 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 while. Having long games is, is great and, and we shouldn't just have short games. We shouldn't just have long games, whatever it is. I understand like the value proposition of having a 75-hour long game. As somebody who has a job and mm-hmm. other responsibilities, something that set, something where I can press a button and it says, have you only got 20 minutes left? Uh, go and do this. You'll, that's progress. Or it's like, you're heading for this trophy. Here's a clue of where to... How to, how to get there because I, I basically wrote off most tro- like basically going trophy hunting with PS4 because it was like well I haven't got the time that I had when I was you know playing on PS3 um, I you know like the actual difficulty of finding some of those things it's just going to be me going to game facts and looking about looking yeah. at basically a map where I can find you know 
the next 300 feathers or whatever it is that I need to go and find. Whereas, mm. whereas with this, it's it just sounds like this feels like the inflex point where I think Sony and, and Microsoft now are realizing that their their audience is so wide now in terms of um, age demographics that they have to cater to an audience that doesn't that maybe has a couple of hours in an evening every other evening rather than yeah. like oh you're gonna spend like eight hours on this in a go right like it's, it's not that anymore mm-hmm. it feels a lot more tailored towards um sh- like keeping you in if you know because uh i think a lot of the a lot of like churning away from games you know we talk i think we talked about this uh, on a previous episode where we talked about like the number of people who literally don't have the fuck you've completed level one trophy on yeah, yeah, you know yeah. on mm-hmm. stuff right like the fact that that is such that's so bad that like people just like buy the games play them for two minutes and go nah like keeping people in the games but also pe- giving people less reasons to stop playing like well I don't know where the next save point is it was always the one that really got me with RPGs yeah, I, I was always like mm-hmm. well I don't know where the next save point is so there's no point because yeah so I'm just going to stop playing now um, anything that c- c- kind of stops you from doing that I think is is really great and there's a bunch of ways to do it and it sounds like Sony's doing some amazing mm-hmm. stuff with that so like you know doing anything like adjusting like um, mic settings or sound settings mm. are all done pretty much like in game. The the like the Spotify integration, which I use quite a lot, whether it's like listening to podcasts while I'm playing games or just listening to an alternative soundtrack, is a lot more seamless than it was in in PlayStation Four. And 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 it's that seamless world that it that it puts you in. Like there's little things like the the playstation store now just works oh thank god they finally did it oh my word <laughs> like like you know you'd go to like claim your ps plus games yeah. for a month and it would just be like well i'm sitting here yeah. oh, so, i've got i've got to load yeah. up the store now i've got to load up the playstation section i've got to get, load up the game now i've got to buy it now it's just all on your home screen I've come close to buying so many games because I've not realised that the store is actually just, it's always there, it's always loaded. You just go into the store and it's just like, this, this is the store. You're not having to press a button to go into an app to go into into the store. Like, it's just there. This isn't just an advert. <laughs> and I've been traversing the store quite a lot because I've been trying to work out how to play Control Ultimate Edition on my PS5. Because uh. it's, it's like, it's been like, that game specifically has been this story um, just keeps getting worse and worse and worse <laughs> so for, for for a bit of background for people who didn't keep up with like the whole control controversy and obviously i'll let you take over from from the Controls after this but basically <laughs> control initially they said okay here's this ultimate edition uh, and they said, oh, you're going to get ps5 you're going to get the ps5 version if you have ultimate edition and then people with the original control because Ultimate Edition is basically two additional pieces of DLC. And that's uh, it. And that's it. Um, the, the people who had the original Control were like, oh, cool. So we, do we just get the original version of Control, but as a PS5 version? And between Remedy and 505 Games, which is the publisher, they were like, nah. So, <laughs> so, and then literally, I think two weeks later, people who owned PS5s found out that they then owned, uh, but the only the original version of Control, found out they owned some weird PS5 version of original Control. And then, like, that was then suddenly taken away and, like, something, mm-hmm. like the, the, the account, like, tweeted about, like, oh, no, that was just some mistake. It's like, what is going on? So now, so now, basically, so then enter Sam with his new PlayStation 5. Yeah, so this has been, like, kind of, you know, my experience is generally like how PlayStation 4 games have that I've got and how they've sort of been upgraded to 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 PS5 stuff. And for most of it, it's been it's been pretty seamless. Like I got Yakuza like a dragon and that that was that was seamless. Um uh, Mars Morales was 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 seamless, nothing happened, but control has been an absolute <laughs> headache and a nightmare. <laughs> so after this was announced, they then announced uh, that Control Ultimate Edition would be available for free on PS Plus. So I was like, brilliant, love the game, love a chance to play it again, possibly download. Cut to getting my PS5. Oh, I remember purchasing 
Control Ultimate Edition for PS Plus. So I'll go and download that and play it on. Oh, oh no! If I if I wanted it on my PS Five, I I had to go to the PS Store and put this specific PS Five version of the Ultimate Edition of Control in my basket and purchase that. So I didn't have it. So I was like, oh. All right, okay, okay. All right, but Control Ultimate Edition on PS5 is currently on sale for 19 quid. 19 quid for two bits of chunky DLC? Not bad. Yeah, and I was like, you know, my game of the year, 2019. All right, then. I've come this far. I've come this far, yeah, I might as well. There's not there's not much stuff to play on here, so I might as well just buy it. All right, brilliant. Okay, um, boot it up. Make sure I've got my control save ready to from go. From the cloud, for example, from PS Plus. Ooh, I, I, I can see that next obstacle in, in the distance. What could go wrong? Okay, boot it up. Oh, that's very quick. It's, it's, it, it's so quick. <laughs> <laughs> the PS5 is so quick. You don't even get the animations for all the uh, publishing and developer companies. They just flash <laughs> up on the screen really quickly and then they go. It's just like, yeah. And it's like, oh, new game. No, continue. That's a bit. That's a bit weird, isn't it? Because I've got control. The anyway, do a bit of searching on Reddit later. It turns out the base game of Control, the save file, isn't compatible with the Ultimate Edition. However, if you boot up the PS4 Ultimate Edition and open your save up in there, because that is compatible with the original base game of Control, that will convert it to the Ultimate Edition, which then is compatible with the PS5 Ultimate Edition. However. It turns out on downloading the PS4 version of Control, because PS5 is great, you can download both versions and split between the two. It turns out that, and I don't know whether this is just me making a mistake or is actually true, PS4 owners didn't actually get Control Ultimate Edition. What they actually got was Control the base game plus both bits of DLC. So... When I opened, when I downloaded it for the PS4, it was just like, oh, it's still the base game, but both bits of DLC are in there, so it doesn't need to convert the save. So it still still didn't work. So, so which of the six versions of Control did you? <laughs> <laughs> so then last night, me and Pete had a phone call about half ten at about half ten at night, right. <laughs> trying to figure out the logistics yeah. of how because Pete has got the Control Ultimate Edition, of how it would work if I could, if he could log me in on his PS4, download my saves, play them on his Ultimate Edition, then re-upload those saves, and I'd be able to get back my progress. I will give some context to this. I was this halfway through... I was two beers in and halfway through Star Trek Four when this when this happened. So this is serious. Yeah, so, so some serious business. I was like, we need to have a call about this, Sam, because I was I, because I was like, this is so like I just want to see how far down the rabbit hole this absolute screw up goes. This is incredible. So hang on, did it work? We haven't done it yet. Well, we we don't know yet because I did some further research and it turns out that the Control Ultimate Edition comes with. Um, basically tons and tons of great accessibility options. So essentially you can play it with one-shot kill and immortality on. Okay. Because that was the thing that was putting me off because like I booted up Control Base Game from where I finished it. I was like, I do not remember how to play this game at all. Right. So part of me was like, I'm going to have to replay some of it anyway to work out how to play it again. But I don't want to, you know, it's going to take another 14 hours and I don't, don't really want to do that. So at yeah. least this means that I can play the game, experience the story again, mm. and breeze through all the combat, mm. basically. And it means also I can play it at 30 frames per second and have all the ray tracing and all that kind of stuff on because... It is a beautiful game. Yeah, I won't be as fussed during combat that it's a bit sluggish because it's not running at 60. So I text Pete this, probably about midnight last night, saying... Don't worry, I'm just going to play the game again, put on these accessibility settings, and I'll just breeze through it, and I'll have a fun time. Win-win. Pete texts back, saying, yeah, but if you still want to do it, <laughs> just let me know. <laughs> I was hooked. Yeah, I know, and I was like, I knew it. You were as intrigued with me just to see if like, it would actually work. Like, yeah. If we could <laughs> it, it, it really work. is a, like, you know, you, you can you can swallow the blue pill and this all goes away. <laughs> and, or you can, you know, swallow the red one and see how far this absolute screw-up goes. I mean, this is technically a rare triple dip because you've, because you've, you bought the original, you got the yeah. PS Plus version in which they get paid for, 
Yeah. And you get you you bought it again. Yes. Worth it though. It's a good game. Very, yeah. Oh, absolutely superb. I mean, I, so I've 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 just as of a couple of weeks ago, I just finished it, and because um, I, I really bounced off of it over uh, the first couple of hours, really bounced off of it, and and having talked with a few people now, um, I'm not. I'm. I'm. Cer- it's, it's certainly not. You know, a, a thing that lots of people have, but a couple of people I know really bounced off it after the first couple of hours because really? there's a boss fight which is with which is in like a mail room or something yeah. like that, and it's rubbish. Like it's mm-hmm. like it's a rubbish boss fight, and it's also just really hard. And you're not in like you don't really know how to play the game well enough. I think by that point, it's a it's a bit of a confusing like like confusing space. There's a lot of language that's used that is very. They they use language that is deliberately confusing, and it's not sure if that confusing language refers to a pickup or an object that is mechanically important, or if it's kind of just world building. So, mm-hmm. like, uh, there's a concept of uh, an um, an object of power in the yeah. game, um, or an oops, uh, as one of the characters <laughs> refers it to. But like, you know, but but by this point, you've had tons of kind of Lynch esque you know, storytelling and, and, and like weird kind of stuff. And you think, is any of this real? Like, should I, should I care what an oops is? Like, you know, is it, should it, you know, um, uh, and then, uh, and, but, and that boss fight, I think comes at the worst possible point, but, um, but, uh, two major factors happened. One, it came out on PS plus and I got angry because I, you know, I'd already purchased basically the, the, uh, the, the game itself. (laughs) I I, th- I seem to remember us having a conversation about buying it not too yeah. long before it came out on PlayStation yeah. Plus, I think, because I was really tempted by it because I've not played it. Um, I did uh, buy it on PlayStation Plus, so I'm looking forward to hopefully playing it kind of yeah, yeah. problem free. Uh, and- um, but I know you guys kind of have, have all four played it and four kind of really enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, I remember yeah. having this conversation and like me deciding like, you know what? I'm not going to take that plunge. I haven't got time to play games at the moment. I know it's a good deal, but I haven't got time. And then like, I don't know, a month later it comes up for free. I'm like, win. It was actually a Christmas gift. That was the other part of it. It was from Alex as well. And uh, basically I was just like, well, look, I'm going to, I'm going to play this game now. I'm, damn it. And I liked Alan Wake. So I was like, mm-hmm. I, I like that game. Why don't I like this one? I was like, and and so basically part of me when I don't like games is I, I tend to go back to it for a little bit more and just go and see and think about it like really critically about why I don't like it, what I think it does wrong. But And basically to get past that boss fight, which I died like eight times on. I mean, I'm not the best at games, but I thought it was a bit much. Um, I basically read a fact and they were like, yeah, just, just stand behind this bit and then they can't hit you and that's it. And you just keep shooting. Yeah, and that, I was like, yeah. oh. So then- I think I did that. Yeah. And after that- um. Uh, it became, uh, and, and 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 this is not hyperbole. Um, I think it's basically the best AAA game of the last ten years, uh, mm-hmm. like without a shadow of a doubt for me. Like it is the game that I feel like AAA games that want to tell stories, like Control has set the bar now. Like like that that's where the bar is. Like it is so. It, it's got elements of like all of my favorite games, like Alan Wake, Silent Hill. Um, mm. it, it's like visually super evocative. It, weirdly, it reminded me um, of jazz punk in some ways, like yes. that kind of really yes, definitely a- aggressively colorful. Kentucky Route Zero as well, like yeah, genuinely. Yeah, yeah. I think if you love that, you will love Kentucky Route Zero. It's basically almost to some degree there. It's like Kentucky Route Zero with shooting. <laughs> right, right, and like the 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 writing in it reminded me of at times of that the not the quality of but the uncanny nature of Deadly Premonition. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, like yeah, some yeah, of that definitely. writing is like, oh, this is just the way you speak is weird. Like, um, there was the the use of um, like non-American. Uh, languages, uh, so like basically non-American characters, I should say. So there, are, there are some characters who are um, basically not from the states, and the way that they are portrayed is really interesting. I thought that the actual, the actual, like literally the writing itself, like literally seeing text on screen from uh, from 
again, I don't want to go too much into it, but um, from a uh, one set of characters whereby they basically give you options as to what they're talking to you about. They basically in the text provide you a, it might be this or it might be that. And it's up to you to decide how you interpret the word. Um, almost as if you're translating it and like Google Translate is saying like, well, it could mean um, employee or it could mean friend. Um, and, and you kind of have to figure out what it is that, that that's being meant there. The combat is stupendous. Those guns feel yeah. like, like there is something very, very, very talented about getting a gun to feel impactful when guns are basically the, like one of the most, you know, regularly seen objects in video games, right? To, to have, but to have a gun that makes you go, Oh God, this is a weapon. Like this is a real, like I'm causing some serious damage here. Um, that was great. The sound design's amazing. Uh, yeah, and, and it's risky. That was that's the that that's the main thing that I like about it. They took such a massive risk with this game, like on every level. Like like you know, admittedly, it's a third person action adventure. You know, in the style of Arkham Asylum, in that it's kind of a Metroidvania in some ways. Um, but but like. Like it is an incredibly risky game uh, from a sort of um, presentational perspective. Um, it's great to to have seen the studio like Remedy more than any other studio. I think think from you know from Max Payne to Alan Wake to Quantum Break and then and then this. First of all, have a lineage that is so memorable. Yeah. Second of all, for each of those games to have taken some sort of massive risk where it's like, you know, the bullet time in Max Payne, mm. the noir setting, it's the um, the sort of the approach to survival horror in Alan Wake, the, yep. half, the half TV show, half game that was Quantum Break, and now this. Putting your studio's director's face in every single game. Like, yeah. <laughs> Bloody hell. Um, uh, and to what struck me when I played Control was that the overabiding feeling that, that that this is what they've been reaching for yeah. all along. Yeah. And whether it's an intention or not, it feels great playing something where you feel like the people creating it have always had this as their ambition. Not necessarily Control itself, but in terms of those factors that you said, in terms of gameplay marrying with narrative, the actual story itself, how it's designed, directed, and how it feels to play. All of those things yeah. coming together. And equally so, like like it's it's incredible to see a studio that is clearly having so much fun because they have mastered it. Like, yeah. like they, they are, they are master craft, uh, crafts people at this point. And like you, when, when you play control, you, in every single element of it, it just oozes, I care. And like, mm -hmm. like, you know, there are so many games where you're just like, ah, eh, they, they cut a corner here or, or, and, and I get why, but like, you know, every once in a while you'll just be like, well, that wasn't as good as it could have possibly been. But with control, like, except for that boss fight, um, like I think, I think basically you can just see how passionate they were. One one thing I'd like to ask is, um, I've, I my my wife doesn't play video games really. Holly doesn't play video games, um, really. Just not interested. What she is interested in at times is playing games with me, and that doesn't mean kind of cooperatively. She doesn't have a controller. But she likes games with a strong narrative where she can feel like she's part of it. She can help instruct me. So the perfect games for that have been like the Quantic Dream games. Like the Heavy Rain is one of her favorite games because although I'm playing it, she can she can have all the input. She all those questions, those those kind of uh, responses you have to choose. She can do that. Um, same with the the sequel Beyond Two Souls. We played that together. We started playing uh, Detroit, but. I but kind of life got in the way and we, we haven't gone back to it at the moment, but I think we will. And so I'm trying to, she actually said to me, I think it was yesterday, like we should play another game. What's the next game we're going to play like these? And I said, well, we got Detroit, but also there's this game I'm hearing about control. That might be something that we're interested in because I think way back in the day, we played Alan Wake together and that was, we, we played that one just, just in the same way. So would a game like control fit that bill? I think, 
I think two things. One, a lot of it is about figuring out um, the, the essentially like the law, right? Like, is uh, like a lot of it is finding information, watching these videos, trying to understand what's happening. There's a lot of humor in there, um, and also a lot of the uncanny, which is a really interesting mix. Um, and because it's so visually stylish, I think there's a lot to be very impressed with. Um, just as a as a person who's uh, watching it the one thing i would say is within the first 15 minutes you will know whether or not she's interested because the, the in the first 15 minutes the game is like this is what we're about and if you're not on board you're not on board yeah like um it's a very strong start to continue the theme of something we talked about in the last last podcast where um um pete you weren't here I don't know if you've listened, but I have. We we drafted in another P. Yep, I think they did a better job than me, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, yeah, kind of. They didn't really get the voice, but you know, yeah. next time. Yeah. Um, we spoke a bit about the game from Wizkids called Seastead, and I think it's a bit of a um, a shift in the industry at the moment in terms of board games of trying to provide like big experiences in inverted commas, yeah. but in a lot smaller boxes. It seems now that publishers and designers are a lot more conscious about still providing those grand big experiences, but in a lot smaller boxes and a lot smaller, like being a lot more respectful for things like space and components and manufacturing and all this kind of stuff. And it's been great to see that sort of ethos being pushed into a game called Red Cathedral and we were kindly sent this by Cosmos and Devere and when they got in touch with me they were like oh would you be interested in this and I was like and the first thing I said was anything that says it's like a big like one and a half hour two hour experience in a box that size yes we're Mm. interested like that is in my wheelhouse Mm. something that just fits nicely on the shelf but provides a sort of expansive and grand experience. And this is um, this is a game which is all about building um, St. Basil's Cathedral in Moscow. And even if you don't recognise that by name, you'll definitely recognise it by what it looks like. It's the one that looks like it's got like little ice cream swirls on the top of it. Yep. <laughs> I, love, I love the way that you... Mr. Whippy was the con- architect. Yeah, you've somewhat <laughs> undercut the importance of said building. Yeah. Yes, but it's, you know... (laughs) I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. You know that in London where there's that really big clock? You know what I mean? It's like a... Yeah, it's just a big clock, isn't it, really? It's like a typical cathedral, but they've just, like, some giant ice gems on the top. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So this this is a game all about building that cathedral, which is already kind of, like, a really mind-blowing concept like i i just love that as a theme like it's not just any sort of box standard building it is saint basil's cathedral and each player has been tasked by the czar to undergo some sort of construction of of the towers and the ice gems on the top and the windows and the doors and all that kind of stuff and this is a game designed by sheila santos and israel um candrero who together are known as llama dice and um, it's genuinely <laughs> might be the best game that I've played um, this year. Hmm. And me and Chris played it after one morning, after us four have been playing Minecraft Heroes all day. Um, we set it up before we went to bed and then we woke up and we and we played it. And... I was kind of dreading the thought of playing quite a substantial and involved and deep board game experience first thing in the morning and after such a sort of involved day before. But it was so refreshing and um, interesting that we kind of just breezed through it in like an hour and a half and it just it just really like zipped by. Um, I think one, one of the ways it does that is it, it's the mechanics of it a bit like seastead remain quite simple like you you can only do three things on your turn and thematically they all make sense like you build scaffolding on the cathedral which allows you to to actually um create parts of it you go and pick resources and 
gather the resources you need to build the parts of the cathedral where your scaffolding has been placed. And the third action you do is you actually take those resources to the cathedral itself. And that's it. Um, where the the time and the effort kind of comes in, into it on the player is all the considerations and the implications of just doing those three simple actions. And yeah, I really, I really loved it because you you not only got this little like little workshop thing in front of you, you not only got this little like rondel which has this exceptionally good artwork which depicts like these four seasons in Russia and really feels like of the age. Like the artwork is very sort of like the Hans Christian Andersen sort like Germanic sort of style, which would be like my kind of touchstone and reference to it. But also you've got the actual cathedral itself. So before the game starts, you rifle through this deck of cards, you pick the amount of players that are in the that are playing the game, and then you basically draw a cathedral design at random. And that'll tell you how many towers there are, how many blocks are in each tower, and how many um, ice gems go on top of each of each block. So you're actually sitting there with the cathedral in front of you. And it's all flipped onto one side, so it all looks like like sort of half built and like dulled out and grey. And slowly as the game goes on and as you're all like contributing to the cathedral and building bits and bits, suddenly you flip over the cards and it starts to like come to life with colour. And what was once grey becomes like these wonderful bits of of brick and these wonderful like emerald stained windows and these quite colourful cornices on on top of the towers. And yeah, it's I've not been drawn into a game this quickly um in in a in a in a long, long time. I, I genuinely really like this Sam. I was thinking about this today. Um I've seen some reviews where they said that actually the only criticism they had of it was they had lots of bouts of analysis paralysis, which I was trying to think back whether mm. we had that. And I don't think we did. Admittedly, we were playing it on the kind of the base side. There is an advanced side if you flip your player board yeah. over, which I love already because already there's, you know, there's a possibility of um, developing our game plan. This is probably my first time ever playing a rondelle, which is this kind of wheel in the center. Um, and there are two reasons I like that. One, because there are dice that move around and being able to plan the movement of the dice as they're kind of going around this wheel that's turning is really satisfying because it means then that the engine that this game is working with this rondelle, you're synchronizing with it. And second, mm -hmm. it gives the game a sense of momentum because the wheel is only spinning in one direction. And that sense that, you know, even with that sense of analysis paralysis, the world is keeps on spinning. And this idea of us together, even though we're competing with each other, we're still working on one project together. And yeah. you get a little bit of that sometimes in games of Carcassonne where there is that person, they've got that settlement, they need that <laughs> one piece that will complete it. And sometimes I have genuinely played games, and I don't know if this is me, that I'm not overly competitive, where I will just finish someone's settlement, not because I want them to get the points, but because it's something satisfying to see. Seeing yeah. an empty, ugly, empty space in a Carcassonne map is horrible. And there were times when we were playing where I just wanted to see what this cathedral looked like. I didn't really yeah. necessarily care. And it's got this really lovely mechanic where, and I would, there'd be times where I would be a bit mean to you, where I would build a story above Sam. And basically what I'm doing is I'm showing him up to the czar. And, yeah. and Sam wouldn't get really cross with me. He was just like, oh. And it was almost like he was looking at me like, my, my manager's going to be really miffed with me yeah, now you've done exactly. that to me. And it does sound like it could be quite mechanical because there's lots of moving parts in this, but I lent into that theme really quickly and I have really no affinity with what it is to be a Mason, particularly in Russia, but it, it, it stopped me feeling too overly personally invested in it and, and caring too much that if I didn't get what I needed, this idea that you and I were collectively building this cathedral together was really lovely on my little table in the morning. Yeah. Uh, who would have thought a game mm -hmm. like this would have become a breakfast game? I, on, on the face of it, I would never have called it that, ever. Mm -hmm. it, it might be. And and all along the game, a kind of a, a bit like with the PlayStation 5, It's, I think what it does, which is actually its, its genius, is it kind of builds this ecosystem 
and it's always and everything that it's doing is always trying to keep you within that ecosystem at all times and making you feel like you're a builder you're being punished because you're not being quick enough you um need to get scaffolding down to commit yourself to to build certain things you need to manipulate the rondal in order to get the resources that you want there is an ecosystem which is always propelling you through always keeping you going i think it's interesting chris you mentioning it being like a breakfast game because i think breakfast mm. games we've we've discussed at length in the past um and i think one of the things about breakfast game is it's kind of often they're quite simple games quite easy to pick up and for for me i've, I've not played red cathedral but from looking at kind of images of it i think coming into it it's probably easy to look at it as quite overwhelming there's lots of little pieces it's, mm-hmm. there's lots of kind of it looks quite complex and obviously i'm not saying it, it it is a complex game but kind of that first impression uh coming in doesn't doesn't look as though it would fit into that kind of realm of a breakfast game so what is it about it that kind of books that trend of kind of the 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 are the typical requirements for a breakfast game and why does this one kind of meet that i mean like yeah i maybe i was a bit too rash in saying that maybe it was because <laughs> we no 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 i th- i think i think it, i think it could be i think for me the requirements of a breakfast game is something that doesn't take up a lot of table space oops but something that um doesn't require you to hold anything in the hands doesn't the, the complexity was never was never much of an issue with me it just tends to be more complex games take up a lot of, a lot more room on the on the table um i think even though red cathedral is complex i think one of the reasons why it makes such a nice gentle breakfast game and maybe we should have this in as one of the criteria is it's got to be quite a gentle and peaceful experience we need to write down all these genres. We really do. We need to. We need to. We need to get a book. <laughs> we need to put them in a book. There's so many of them. So many rules. <laughs> when you're thinking about stuff to do, it's very clear, both mechanically and thematically, what you is you have to to do. So even though there's complexities within the rules, you know that you've got to start building the cathedral. So you know you've got to start putting scaffolding in because you can't build without scaffolding. And then once the scaffolding's in, you know you've got to go and get resources. And then once you've got resources, you know you've got to deliver the deliver them to to the cathedral. So it makes for a very very gentle experience because the first few turns, everyone's doing the same thing because you're building a cathedral. There's no like, oh well, I'm the saboteur and I'm not going to build a cathedral. I'm going to gather fifty wood and then that's my winning condition. It's like everyone's working to the same to the same goal and the same cohesive and collaborative goal. So it does make for a very, you know, gentle and collaborative experience, which for me is, you know, one thing that I love at breakfast is like having lots of people and collaborating on, you know, we've got 15 croissants, let's eat them all. Together. Um, (laughs) I mean, and and it's also that saying it because we were both hungover (laughs) after... our online get together the four of us the day before so the fact that we were able to kind of play through that headache is saying something really well as as a kid i was always under the impression that if i got a uh, a fountain pen that i'd immediately be able to write like posh people do when they write with fountain pens Mm. but the thing is i always like calligraphy like do like calligraphy and stuff but I always get really impatient with whenever I'm handwriting. Like I'll always like the first few bits will also be really, really nice. And then I basically just start getting really lazy. Yeah. Um, like, and also I hold my pen really weird. And I was always as a kid, I used to be forced to like, um, go to like special classes where they give you one of those pencils that had like little triangle. Yeah. I had that too. Yeah. To try and force you to like hold a pen proper. (laughs) <laughs> yeah right right that was one of the things i never understood it was like all these teachers were like well if you don't hold a pen properly it's like what what will be the ramification i can write like it's not 
Right, so who should we give the promotion to? <laughs> yeah, well, 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 Peter has been doing excellent work with the budgets recently and has made us a lot of money, but he does hold his pen a bit strange. If you could just sign this document for us, Peter. Oh, wait, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and just sign here for the new job. What? What is this? <laughs> Snatch um, it away. Ah, <sighs> well, that was... That was lovely, wasn't it? And that was another episode of the Staying In podcast. I was there. Sam Turner. Chris Darby, he was there. Daniel Frost, he was also there. And returning once again, Peter Willington. Oh, how we've missed him. Thanks very much for enjoying this show, hopefully, or at least listening right to the end. If you have enjoyed it, then please share this with someone whom you love or admire or at least respect on some sort of level. A colleague, a friend, uh, a member of your family, share this podcast with them. Hopefully, they will enjoy it too. You can leave us reviews, you can follow us on Spotify, your app of choice. It all helps us spread the podcast around a little bit. If you'd like to share your memories of fountain pens and being forced to write in a particular way, then please do get in touch with us. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, at StayingInPod. Uh, we are also available um, through email, uh, StayingInPod at gmail.com. All that information, if you just missed it or just glazed over for a few seconds, are at StayingInPodcast.com. Just a note about our Instagram page, we are now doing things like unboxings and short videos about what we're currently playing. Um, so if you like that kind of thing, then head over there where you'll be able to see most of the games that we're talking about. We're now doing um, some unboxings for to give you a bit more information about what is inside that cardboard. Um, <laughs> I was trying to think of another word for box, but there is no other word for box. What's in that cardboard sarcophagus anyway i'm going to keep that in because that's the kind of power i have thank you so much for enjoying the show we really do appreciate it we wish you all the best continue to take care wherever you are following all the guidance and procedures and please do just enjoy some time to yourself and with the others around you that you love thanks very much Bye bye